second half of the People's Show leading into Canuck Central. 20 minutes away before we get there. We'll get to a guy's name and dues in the back half of this segment. I'll give you the prompt now because it's a little more challenging uh, than we, we've seen in uh, weeks past. Retired Swedish hockey players. That's what we're going for today for guys naming dudes. Retired Swedish hockey players. We're playing the games in Sweden. We don't want current guys. We want They've hung them up already. Uh, you can text in 650-650. We'll get to guys naming dudes in a bit. Uh, but let's talk to uh, Brett Fetchling. It's BFF Fridays or uh, Brett Fetchling Fridays. Uh, he joins us now, former Vancouver Giant, NHL pro, and you hear him often on Sportsnet 650. Brett, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Busy week. Busy week, man. Getting ready for, uh, you know, just off back-to-backs and back-to-back, back-to-backs. Uh, you know, that's how challenging of a week it's been. Uh, and get ready for a game against uh, Seattle this week. And, and look, we, we've been sitting here watching these back-to-backs. We haven't had to deal with playing them and – Going into five games in eight days, five different cities, different time zones. Uh, so take us through the trials and tribulations of the travels of the NHL lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, it can be exhausting and taxing on that side. Granted, that's part of part of your job. It is, it is but like the time zones, different cities. And then I think actually the hard part is actually coming back into Vancouver, playing game there. Guys get to see their families. You get an emotional win, and then you go back on the road on a back-to-back. So I think that transition is actually probably the toughest when you come back home and then go back on the road. The road can be okay if you get into the swing of things, get a little momentum, and you're used to staying on those. But definitely uh, the emotional OT win, you get out late, get into Calgary. I don't know when they got in, probably 1, 2 in the morning, and then you get to your room, and everything's just off. So, yeah, it can be mentally and physically just tiring. I think if you're going to lose a game, that's probably the one to lose. You're probably not giving up much to the rest of the field on that one. They're really kind of expecting you to maybe be a little fatigued. But, um, yeah, it, it can be tough when it adds up like this. Uh, we always uh, ask you know, players, hey, like, which one is your favorite road trip, right? It's like, oh, it's the California ones, it's the southern ones. I'll, I'll switch it up here. What's the perfect road trip length? Uh, oh man, I feel like I feel like that changes with how old you are. <laughs> you know, I, I like I I like the the five day kind of two three games. There was some really fun like ten day big swings when you go down into Florida, especially mm-hmm. kind of during the winter months. Those are fun, but then the old guys, old guys is as you get older, it gets tough because. It's a mix of you miss your kids and your family, but you get to sleep the best. It completely flipped. It used to be like I'd sleep way better at home and get better rest at home, and then you have a family and kids, and then you want to be on the road because you actually get a full <laughs> night's sleep. So I, I like the five to seven days. I don't like the one the one in, one back. I like to get like kind of two, three games. If you can hit, I really, really like MSG was the coolest place in the world to me, so – when you hit the right. New Jersey, Long Island, MSG, that swing was really fun. And then you hit the Toronto, Montreal could be fun just because of the, because of the atmosphere and I guess the, the press on, especially coming from Anaheim, you know, when you have three people in the room asking random questions and you go into Toronto and you bring Solani and, and Corey Perry and get and those guys in there. So that was fun too. So I don't know. I think it's just fun to be on the road, but five to seven would be, would be prime for me. 
Uh, all right, let's get into the Canucks and uh, some things that we saw last night and, and just kind of getting ready for, for what we're going to see tomorrow against Seattle. And, you know, with, with Susie out, you know, one thing I'm just trying to keep an eye on is if it's something you notice or you think how teams will attack them, uh, of teams kind of being aggressive on their forecheck with, you know, one less playmaking or puck handling D-man now. And if you've seen, you know, two guys go high, especially when, you know, Juleson and Friedman are on the ice and, you know, Seattle traditionally has given them struggles, uh, 6-1, 5-2 losses last year with Rick Tockett. I'm just curious if this is something you think we'll see. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Like Calgary, 100% talked about back-to-back and new D-men in the lineup. Get on Juleson and Friedman, especially if they're playing together. And that's, I think they're both great hockey players, but as another team for a coaching strategy, for sure you're going to make, one, those D pay as much as you can to try to take advantage of maybe lack of experience. But then you're also going to try to be maybe a little harder on your Hironics and your Hughes because they're probably going to have to play more minutes. So it's definitely a strategy going in to get on get on D-men when you're missing some of the regulars and especially when you're mixing up combinations because guys just need to work harder to figure things out. That's what, you know, that's what one of the challenges with guys being hurt is new guys in on lines and on pairs and that just leads to more confusion and it's harder to work because you can predict less and, and you don't necessarily know exactly where uh, your partner's going to be or, or where to pass it, and that leads to just more skating usually. So um, definitely a tactic is to get on uh, the team's D-man or just new players in general to, to make them kind of earn their ice time a bit. Well, we heard talking yesterday, hey, just, just play a safer game. And obviously post-game he said, hey, you have to learn how to play tired and, and through all these uh, circumstances. And, you know, I, you know, fans would say, and I've said it too, of, oh, well, the new guys in, in Juleson and Friedman, just play safe hockey, right? Just glassing out. But the opposition's aware you're going to be more passive about that as well. So do they find different landmarks of, of how far they have to sag back before they pressure up? I, I just imagine you also invite more pressure when you know the other t- the, the opposition's just trying to be very conservative. Yeah, I think you should have said there, how much do we sag back? And, and the answer is you don't want to sag back. But that's what, but that's the natural kind of feeling for a lot of D is we've got to play safe, let's get back so we can keep everybody in front of us and see it. But that, in, yeah, that invites more pressure because you're giving more time and space. So I think when Taka talks about playing safer and learning to play tired, I'll take the Huberto goal, for example. Huberto will find a way to be in front of the crease by himself, and you have three guys on the wall. So what that means is when you're tired mentally and you're not getting enough oxygen in your brain and you're kind of running around, get back to the net, get back to that home plate, get back to those fundamentals where you are keeping people on the outside. Even if you don't know really where your guy is or you're struggling or whatever it is, at least you're protecting a certain area that makes Calgary come through you, not people getting stuck or caught behind you or or missing assignments that way. So I don't think it's more of a sit-back thing. I think it's be smart about entrances and exits and still trying to play that game but limiting – exactly that turnovers where you get caught in for more than 45 seconds, a minute, a minute, 15. Those are the things that really kill you and kill your legs, especially on the road. And especially with how many games they've been playing. Especially coming off of that game against the Islanders. Obviously we focused on the, the emotional, uh, drain that game would have but like they came from behind in that game too 
So you're, you're taxing that as well, uh, getting into a divisional game against Calgary. Yeah, exactly. That was It was emotional and it was coming off road. So usually she dips coming off the road and big emotional wins, which they had in Montreal and they had on the island. And then you got to go into Calgary and you got to play a team that kind of has been struggling and a lot of their big guys have been struggling, but you know that they have a lot of pressure to perform and they have a lot of pressure to perform against a team that should be tired, right? They kind of use that as you guys should be winning this because the team's coming in tired and on the road. So, um, yeah, that, that emotion in those games definitely affect your mental kind of state and your energy mentally and physically going into it. Uh, talking to Brett Fesseling, you'll hear him, all, all, hear him often on our airwaves here on Sportsnet 650, former Vancouver Giant and NHL pro. Um, is Elie McKay of moving any better for you? You're right here. He is uh, more than double-digit games now. And I, I do wonder sometimes of, of the adrenaline just kind of wearing off of you come back from this tough injury and, and you're very active to begin with, but does it fade away? Are, are you noticing anything in Mikheyev? I like him. I really like him. I'm becoming a big mm. fan. He moves, you're right, he moves super well. He he plays really well with uh, Kuzi and Petey, especially when Kuzi's in the lineup, but he's really added like a gear to that lineup. I think Kuzi has that speed and that tenacity and you see him change up, but McCabe's almost been that, but in a little bit more of straight lines and kind of pushes a lot of defenders back. And if they stay up, he's getting in behind them. And you see a guy like P that can be so creative, get him the puck. So I've liked it. I've really liked him. I don't know if he has a drop off or not. I, I like to think he's just young and having fun and will keep it going. I mean, I, I think time will tell, but I don't think we have to worry too much about it. When you get into dog days in January, February, maybe, Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's some lingering effects of the recovery and just strengthening. Usually usually that's the thing is you try to get the strength back, but then kind of call it whatever, 15 to 25 games in, some of that strength kind of dwindled, and, and you need to work on the maintenance of keeping that strong and all those muscles strong throughout the year, and it can affect other parts, other groins or knees on the other side. In compensation, that's more what I'd worry about, not necessarily the drop-off of energy, but maybe the maintenance of that strength that he's had to build for for the last, whatever, six months trying to recover. That might dig into other injuries and stuff, but I'm sure they're on top of that, and that's the beauty of being in the NHL is you've got a full-time crew there to work on you, not only that practice stuff, but you can come back later in the day and get it done as well. Uh, you mentioned Kuzmenko uh, missing, and, and they make the lineup change yesterday. You know, Talkin had mentioned he feels like he'd be good for Saturday. Um, but we, we, we saw kind of just an element that they, they moved Garland up and they, they changed the Garland line with Suter out as well. But you know, I always just wonder how coaches kind of play that and how players like to see it get played out because it feels like you're trying to fix two problems instead of one. I, I wonder if they just kept Garland with Joshua and just moved Beauvillier up and – just how that's instructive. I, I guess they did it too with Hughes and Roenick breaking it up with, with Susie out as well. Yeah, I, I find that interesting as well from the player's perspective because the, you're right. The, you get you get uh, Garland going up and then you get Bovillier going up to the third line and then you get Carlson coming in the fourth. So instead of replacing one person mm-hmm. in the, at 12, now you have three different line combinations. So you've got nine guys that aren't used to that 
opposed to uh, three. So, like, in Anaheim, we pulled up a guy named Dan Sexton. I don't know if guys remember him, but he was a small, skilled guy. He wasn't going to really play those bottom six, and we had a really good bottom six that had a lot of chemistry. So they just plugged him in with Solani and Perry or Getzlaff, who wasn't. He had a lot of success there, and the line probably wasn't as dominant as they normally would have been, obviously, but they played well, and they were able to keep the chemistry in the bottom three lines. So that's the other way to play it. Now, on the other side, there's guys like Garland, Hoaglander, Pavillier that have maybe accepted lesser roles and bought into the system, and their reward for doing that, usually in the history of like playing, is you get rewarded with more ice time and opportunities when they become available, right? That's the somebody gets hurt, like, stick with it, stick with it, you'll get your opportunity, you'll get your opportunity. So to not give one of those guys an opportunity in that, especially Garland probably after the Montreal, Montreal game he played, and then I don't know what type of trade bait type of um, kind of boost mm-hmm. these guys are trying, right? Like that's another whole part of the game is where, okay, I don't know if we're going to trade him or not, but let's try to get his value as high as possible. And Garland's value is probably going to be higher if he can get some more ice time and more possession and more points with PD and McCamp. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a pure coaching and general manager decision. And I don't know if there's a right answer or a wrong answer. It's just what you think your team can handle or what they need in that moment. I, I do wonder, though, with Garland getting elevated, um, you know, we, we saw Hoaglander kind of start with Pedersen as well, uh, the, the, the start of the season off. I, I wonder if, they, if he's got the same issue as Hoaglander of playing in the top six because he can obviously drive a, a line – himself as, as the third line with guys that aren't as offensively inclined. But it, it, does, it, it just doesn't feel like a natural fit sometimes with, with Garland playing next to Pedersen or playing Miller because he, he wants the puck, he wants to overhandle it. And instead of a, you know coming across the blue line and dropping it to someone with speed, he does that spin and tries to look for a different pass. It, it, it just it always feels clunky. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think Garland's a good player and has, has a high skill level, but yeah, Petey should, Petey should have the puck there. Petey should always have the puck probably on that, and then that takes away from what Garland does well. The reason Mikheyev and Kuznenko work so well with Petey is because he draws so much attention, and we just talked about Mikheyev's speed through into into empty space, and that and it allows him to get pucks there. Whereas, yeah, when Garland turns, he doesn't have the skill Petey does. Like, no offense to Garland, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have the creativity to do it, and he just makes less of the plays there, whereas Petey makes pretty incredible plays that you don't even think are that special, but he's getting double teamed and pulling away and giving space and time for guys to get in behind, and then he's making the plays where it seems like Garland maybe has to turn back and make another move so that that opportunity is lost, or um, or he just doesn't make the play, to be honest with you. So uh, I agree with you. It doesn't seem very smooth out there when he has it, it may be just simplified a bit. And if it was me, I would just give it to PD and then get open to be honest with you. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, we'll hear from you tomorrow uh, on these airways, Brett. Uh, We always appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. See you tomorrow. Uh, It's Brett Festerling joining us here uh, on the people's show BFF, Brett Festerling Fridays, uh, former Vancouver giant, uh, NHL Pro, and uh, again, you hear him on the game broadcast uh, from time to time here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, as on Friday uh, on the People Show, we, we like to ease our way into the weekend, and, and, and what better activity 
Uh, then just a couple of sports fans remembering uh, some dudes that used to play. We like to call it guys naming dudes. Uh, we, we, we give you a prompt and start sending in all the text of uh, dudes you remember seeing play. Uh, let's get into it. Swedish hockey players. They're playing these games overseas right now. William Nylander lighting it up for the Leafs and Lucas Raymond. So let's let's tap into that. What better NHL market than Vancouver to talk about Swedish hockey players? Uh, you, you can text in it, active or retired. We'll, we'll take them all, but uh, preference toward uh, retired players. Text in 650-650 into our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber, three stores to serve you. And Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Swedish hockey players for guys naming dudes. Text it in 650-650. Uh, I'll, I'll kick things off. Johan Franz. The mule in front of the net causing all sorts of havoc. One of the favorites to watch. Johan Franzen was always there for me on my fantasy teams back in the day as well. Big shout to Franzen. Uh, 650, 650. I got Aki Berg. I, I, I think Aki Berg is Finnish, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that one, but uh, I, 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 I'm almost certain Aki Berg is Finnish. Yes, just Googled it. Finnish. But uh, thanks for the shout in the inbox. 650, 650. Uh, what else have we got? Vic, one of my favorite uh, guys watching for the Canucks, Michael Samuelson. Yep, absolutely. Putting in work with the team still. Doing it on the ice, doing it off the ice. Michael Samuelson helping out. Uh, another former Canuck. Oh, man. Um, not Arvidsson that's, that, 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 that's playing for the Kings right now, but Magnus Arvidsson. Uh, I always liked him in Ottawa. Uh, defensive wingers, just just getting sel you know some selkie votes. That's my jam right there. Uh, he played uh, one season, obviously, here in Vancouver. Short career, uh, but was uh, plying his trade in Ottawa uh, for the for years. Uh, yes, a lot of Daniel and Henrik Sedin uh, mentions. Good shouts. Uh, Douglas Murray, a, a name you don't think of being Swedish, but Douglas Murray, Swedish. When you said Canucks, I thought you were going Samuel Paulson played 19 games for the Canucks. Good shout. Good shout. Hey, man, win some face-offs. That's what you need. Sammy Paulson was there to win you some face-offs. Like 50, 56%, I think, that year in Vancouver. Uh, might be even a little bit higher than that, but he was there to win some face-offs. Freddie Modine. Text coming in. Uh, was Freddie Modine a turtleneck guy? I feel, I feel like there were some uh, good turtleneck players. In the uh, 2000s. Was Freddie Modine a turtleneck guy? I can't remember. Uh, 650-650. Matt's Naslin. Tomas Holmstrom. Yeah, the other guy in front of the net. Franzen and Holmstrom. Just just passing the torch in front of the net uh, for chaos there. Uh, Matthias Oland. A beast in the back end. Hock and Lube. Johnny Oduya. Man, Texters bringing it today. Yeah, Matt's Naslin. Uh, I wasn't sure if I said uh, Marcus or, or Matt's. We'll take them both. They're both right. Samuelson, Anton Rodin. <laughs> Anton Rodin coming in. Oh, man, Canucks fans. They're like the Starks, man. They're like the Starks. The North the, the North remembers. Canuck fans remember Anton Rodin. <laughs> uh, that's what this segment's all about. Fabian Brunstrom, good one. Good one. Uh, Alex Edler, of course. Lindgren. 
Yeah, Matt's Lindgren. I don't know if I can tell my Matt's Lindgren story on air. Uh, I'll, I'll save that one for off air. Uh, Tommy Sallow, Matt Sundin. All right, good stuff in the inbox. Shorter version of uh, guys naming dudes today. Uh, but strong work in the inbox today. As always, into the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, we got to run. Canucks Central on the way. Yannick Hansen is going to be joining them, as always, on a Friday. Plus, they got the Friday mailbag. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw on the way here on the home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.